It's overwhelming to stand on Resurrection Sunday and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm taken back to my childhood when I heard the old story of the Savior who came from glory. It's the same story that my parents and my grandparents have been told and the same story that their pastors and preachers preached. And so my mind goes back even further this morning to those days around Jerusalem. And I wonder what must it have been like as Jesus topped that hill coming in from Bethphage and from Bethany just over the hill, just weeks prior, they'd seen a man dead four days come out of the grave at the words of Jesus. Many have surmised that if he would not have said, a Lazarus, Lazarus rise forth, come forth, if he would have just said, arise, that all dead people would have gotten up because there's that much power in the word of Jesus. I believe that. But now Jesus had rode in on a donkey. They had cried Hosanna. They had laid down palm branches in their clothes for him to come in on. And just four days later, the same voices who cried Hosanna were now crying crucifying. Give us the thief. Give us the murderer. Kill Jesus. My friends, if you miss everything else, I want you to hear this. This is not a fairy tale. This is not a story to get dressed up and look pretty and take pictures about. Even though all that's great, you all look wonderful. Choir, you outdid yourself today. Michelle, thank you for your diligence, your prayerfulness, her heart to lead, and all of you who sang. But all of that means nothing, and it's just a performance if this story is not true. You see, it is this day. It may not be the calendar day. But it is this day, Resurrection Sunday, (coughs) that separates the lost from the saved, sheep from the wolves, sheep from the goats, the wheat from the chaff. It is this that separates fact and fiction. You see, as I was riding to church this morning, I saw several just walking down the road. I heard my mother's voice quoting scripture. It said, many are going to and fro and have no idea where they're going. I thought today is just another day for so many. But over 2,000 years ago, it was the same. Jesus was dead. You remember now, the disciples were not having a pep rally. 
They were not, hey, it's coming. Tomorrow Jesus is coming. No, they all ran and hid. Those who had walked with him for three years had went and hid. Matter of fact, his mother came to anoint his dead body. Am I right? But the most powerful words spoken with human voice from the angelic chorus of just one or two resounds deeply in our soul today. Why seek ye the living among the dead? For he is not here, but is risen. Say, preacher, listen. Come on, you're smart enough to know it's a fairy tale. I'm going to tell you what's a fairy tale. A fairy tale is to be wrapped up in your own ego that you cannot admit what history proves is true. Over 5,000, 5,000 eyewitness, historical, documented Witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have more data that proves the resurrection of Jesus Christ logically and historically. Set aside everything that is spiritual and just know that the world cannot deny the risen Savior. And yet we have wars. We have politics. We have feuds. Do you realize... That that's exactly what Jesus went to the cross to cure. You got a problem today? You're going through issues in life? Listen, Jesus died to set you free. Paul told his son in the faith, And as pastor of Eastside Baptist Church, husband to Becky, father to Ethan and Emily, friends to many, an old-time gospel preacher, let me tell you from the heart of Paul, the same words in my heart today, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. Hear me now. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Today I want to preach as simplistic and of course that's not hard for me. A gospel message for Easter to follow on our theme this year. If you're a visitor, you're a guest here today, we've been looking at the whole subject of how God is bigger than me. God is bigger than you. He's bigger than all our worries. He's bigger than our future. He's bigger than our past. But here, I've been waiting on this one. Been waiting on it in big capital letters I've had written down for months. Today I want to preach to you. That Jesus is bigger than our sin. He's bigger than our sin. Jesus Christ came into this world. His whole mission 
He came into this world headed to the cross. I quoted his words in my prayer just a moment ago as he knelt there in the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed so stringently. He prayed uh, so efficaciously. He, He was so fervent in his prayer that his sweat became his great drops of blood. He cried out, Oh, my Father, if it be possible that this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. What is your heart today? Let me give the invitation at the start. Why are you here? Many of you are here because you were invited. I'm glad you're here. I'm thankful for the ones who cared enough. Some of you are just paying homage to a family member just to get your mom or daddy off your back. I'm going to tell you, you want to get somebody off your back? Get Satan out of your heart and listen to what he's got to say to you today. Jesus is bigger than your sin and my sin. Oh, but you're a preacher. Let me tell you something. I wasn't born a preacher. My mother and dad didn't put little wingtip shoes on me in the cradle. I did wear a bow tie when I was a little boy. But I wasn't born saved. I was born lost. And without hope in the world, I needed a Savior. So, but you're a baby. Yes. That's why I want to show you from Scripture. Why? We are chief of sinners. But there's hope because Jesus is bigger than our sin. Number one, sin is real. You say, oh, there is no absolute truth. There is no absolute morality. Then go out and throw a baby off a roof of a building and stand before a judge and say, it's what I wanted to do. What's right for you is not right for me. Go push an old man in front of a moving bus and see, don't they lock you up? Why? Because we know it's morally wrong. There is an absolute truth. You cannot dissuade in your argument that there is no absolute truth. You chase your tail in a circuit because in saying so, you are trying to issue a truthful edict. Let me ask you, if there is no absolute moral, there is no absolute truth, is that a truthful saying? then you're lying. And so in that you're lying, there is truth. How about that? So you're you're playing word games. No, I'm telling you something. We are too smart for our own good sometimes. Because the Bible tells us that in the wealth of knowledge, there's foolishness. We have become wise in our own eyes. We've become puffed up so that we have a form of godliness but deny the power of. I want you to understand, sin is real. Romans five twelve says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. What is that? What is he talking about? By one man, sin entered into the world. We find that there's alienation from God through Adam. God created Adam. He spoke Adam into existence. So I don't believe in all that creation business. Oh, so you're saying that 
because you have a grasp of all the depth of science and everything, that somehow, somewhere, there was some pond scum of which had to be created, but you can't explain that. And in that pond scum, there was some kind of uh, uh, lightning source that electrified the pond scum that then, now this is what science believes in their Big Bang theory, and that in this lightning source striking this scum, there became a one-cell amoeba, and then through evolution, really, you're going to go with that. You're going to go with that over the fact you can look out and see man can't create a tree, nor can he cause the birds to fly or the grass to grow. I love Ray, and I believe Ray is a fine farmer, but Ray can't make corn grow. He can plant it, he can water it, he can spray it, but he can't make it grow. God makes it grow. Church, sin is real, just as real as we're standing here today. And it's because Adam disobeyed God. Now, before we go any further, you need to know, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He said, by one man, sin entered in. It's called the Adamic sin. It's the imputed sin. You were born into sin. When you drew your first breath, you drew it, with sinful lungs. You are born of the flesh. And because of that, it is appointed unto man once to die. Why? Because Adam and Eve, given a commandment, don't eat of that tree, for if you do, you shall surely die. We're all headed that way because of the Adamic sin. But listen, there's an alternative through Jesus. We read verse 12, so death passed upon all man for that all have sinned. But verse 14 says, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who's the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God, and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift, for the judgment was by one to con condemnation. Listen, God's a holy God. He demands a sacrifice. You say, I'm a good person. It's a lie according to the word of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. You can't be good. You cannot concoct an idea of being right with God. You can't be a church member enough. You can't give enough. You can't be baptized enough. You must understand if all, any of that, any of that was possible, then why did Jesus have to die? Jesus died for you. And for me, he continues, but God be thanked that you were servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being that then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men. Listen, he tells us, he tells us all through Romans, and not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For if one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more that which 
receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Listen, when Adam sinned, God had already, from the foundation of the world, prepared a sacrifice. He tells us in Genesis, right after he comes to Adam, and he says, Adam, where are you? Adam says, well, God, I'm over here. He said, why are you hiding, Adam? He said, because I'm naked. He said, who told you you were naked? You see, before you can be saved, you've got to realize you're lost. God knew where Adam was, but he needed Adam to realize where Adam was. And in the profession of I'm naked, he was telling God, I'm a sinner. I have disobeyed. And in so, judgment was passed. They were kicked out of the garden and they died. That which was created eternal. But even in that same text, when Adam had sinned and disobeyed God, he tells us in verse 15 that God would separate the seed of Satan And the seed of the Savior. I'll put division between the woman and man. There will come a Messiah. Listen, sin is real. We need to grasp the reality that sin kills. I don't know about you, but I get tired of watching the news. I want to know what's going on. But then again, I hate to hear what's going on. Last Sunday, sitting like this. Now, choir did a good job, didn't they? I don't know about you. Some of, well, I'm hot. Listen, this is great compared to some places I've been. Some of us may feel a little uncomfortable. We don't want to stay here this long. And why is it taking this long? Last Sunday, in Egypt and other places of the world, ISIS fighters and others came into churches of believers like you and I and killed Christians wholesale. Now how you feel? Still in a rush to get lunch? Some won't have lunch today, but they'll worship their Savior because they understand He's bigger than all their problems. Sin kills. Every war that's ever happened is because of good and evil. Everything bad, every funeral, every war, every divorce, every abortion, every child molestation, every rape, every prison... It's because of sin. Church, why do we embrace that which kills us when Jesus died to set us free? I ask myself that. I can get up here and preach this and go home, have a bad attitude, disobey God, not do what is right. Forgetting that which is right, so often I choose that which is wrong. Paul said it this way, the things that I would do, I don't, and the things that I don't want to do, I do. Because I'm still in the flesh. I judge myself standing before you this morning. I fail the grace of God. But the grace of God has never, hear me now, has never failed me. You see, we become overwhelmed by the flesh. He said in the first part of Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is... Physics teaches... Teaches us not science proof sin. For every action, there's an equal and opposite. 
So if there is sin, there's death. But Jesus overcame all of that because he is the creator of all laws. Over gravity, he passed through them. Remember one time they tried to kill him, he passed out of their midst. You remember standing on the Mount of Olives, 40 days removed from Resurrection Sunday, they looked up as he ascended into the clouds. He looked into that grave and he cried to Lazarus, come forth, he's over death, hell, and the grave. For the wages of sin is death. We're overwhelmed by the flesh. We cannot make ourselves alive. We can rub cream on it. We can take pills. We can run. You ever notice how one thing counteracts the other? I cannot tell you the hundreds of times I've stood in hospitals and bedsides of people, they said, well, we've given them everything. If we give them this, it counteracts this. And if we give them this, it makes up. Because you cannot avoid death. You're born into sin. Can't avoid it. You can take every as seen on TV you want to. You can look wonderfully young. When you die, you're still going to die. The wages of sin is death. You cannot run from it. You cannot hide. We're overwhelmed by the flesh. I don't know about you. But the older I get, the more overwhelmed I am. You know, back hurts. I can't see. I take, now I can't see with my glasses on. I can't see with my glasses off. I can't look. I, I, hands hurt. Knee surgery, kidney stone surgeries. High blood pressure, all these kinds of things. Deal with that stuff day in, day out, and it's only going to get worse. I'm not living in a pipe dream. It's because of sin, but hear me today. That same sin that kills us, overwhelms the flesh, is overcome by the Savior. He said the wages of sin is death, but but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Aren't you glad verse 23 didn't end with the wage of sin is death, period, it's over? Comma. Comma. But the gift, oh, the gift. I couldn't wait on Easter morning. I knew what I was going to get. I was going to get one of them hollered out, chocolate. And my favorite part was the yellow candy eyes, bunny rabbits. Love them. Still love them. I ain't crazy about chocolate, but I love them things. Don't get me one. I don't need it. But I love that stuff. Man, it was so good. At, you know, and we'd hide Easter eggs. We'd do all that stuff. But Easter wasn't about the Easter bunny. And Mom and Dad made that clear. We'd go to my grandparents, and they'd be... 178 cousins. I promise it seemed like that. I mean, my grandparents, I, you know, I didn't get, I, I was probably in my 20s before I realized this house is really small. My mother had 
two brothers, two sisters, and all of them had to pass a load of young'uns, and then they started having young'uns, and everybody bringing their boyfriends and their girlfriends, and we'd be one pile in one room, one pile in another room, and if it was halfway warm enough, they'd be piled up out on the carport. Well, I mean, you're talking about an 1,100-square-foot house. Piled in there. But it wasn't about that. We didn't skip church to go eat lunch. We went... To worship the one the day was about. Then we went and ate. Church, listen to me. We've got everything out of whack. When we stop forgetting about sin, when we stop realizing how overwhelmed, then there's no need for an overcoming Savior. Can you imagine? Let's go back for a minute. You know who I believe... Easter morning probably impacted more than just about anybody. I think Peter, Peter and John got a pretty good dose, didn't they? They're at the tomb. Mary, you know, she's pretty moved. But I want to talk to you about the ones who comes to church. And I, please don't take this the wrong way. Take this in the intent I'm telling you. Listen. I went to church lost for many years too until I repented and turned to, my, turned to my Savior. If you come today because it's a holiday that you're supposed to go to church. You know, I've heard preachers call them creasters. You ever heard of a creaster? A creaster is somebody who goes to church at Christmas and Easter. That's a creaster. And you say, it's not about church attendance. No, it's not. Church attendance will not make you a Christian. But if you're a Christian, you'll want to go to church. It's just true. You'll want to be around like-minded people. But listen, the person that I think was overwhelmed Easter morning that had rejected Jesus and died lost was Pilate. If there's ever been a man it went to his grave saying, I wish I'd listened to my wife. <laughs> now, I say that kind of jokingly, but I'm, I'm, I'm being honest. What does she tell him? Don't touch him. I had a terrible, terrible dream. Pilate, don't mess with him. And he tried to dismiss it from her. He tried to appease her. He tried to, listen, if you're trying to make somebody happy today, if you're trying to be politically correct, if you're trying to fit in with a group, I've got news for you. Pilate's your poster child. He wanted to appease the Jews because if they overrun him, he would lose his authority. But if he wasn't firm with the Romans, then they'd kick him out back at Rome. And if he didn't take care of the rebel rousers, they might have a coup. And his wife, well, you know, he wanted to keep her happy. And so he tried to do both. And so here's what he did. He said, I find no wrong in this man. Do what you will. Blood, and he literally took a basin and tried to wash to show that the blood wasn't on his hands. But I'm going to tell you, there's no water out of a tap that can wash away your sin. It's only the living water who is Christ the Lord. And when he got news that morning, can you imagine? There's a messenger came running, busting through the door. Pilate's 
what is that racket going on? Kind of like the choir when I kept hearing them shoot guns at Stewart a while ago or boom, boom. I'm like, what in the, surely they're not shooting tanks on Easter morning. Did y'all hear that? Or am I just, your sister heard it. Huh? What? <laughs> they came busting in. Now think, pilot's in there and boom. What are you doing? He's not there. He's not there. Who's not there? What are you talking about? Jesus. He's not there. We put Caesar's seal on the door. Somebody has opened the seal. Somebody's broken it. They rolled the stone. He's not there. He said, anybody else know this? It sounds something straight out of a TV movie. Huh? This is straight off of West Wing, Scandal something. Hey, don't tell anybody. This is Watergate stuff. I'm, I'm not joking. Real life Watergate stuff. Because look, the greatest power of the earth was Caesar at that time on earth. And he took the seal, the signet of his authority in that ring. And they waxed ring. They poured out that wax over to seal it. And it wasn't that it was chained in in strength, but it was in the strength of his authority. He, they pressed the signet of Caesar on that seal and said, if you break the seal of Caesar, all of his kingdom comes down on your head. But Jesus said, my kingdom's greater than all your kingdoms. It wasn't broken from the outside, was it? It was broken from the end as Jesus rolled the stone away. And they said, what do we? He said, don't tell anybody. Do you hear me? On, on my authority and on authority from Caesar, don't you tell anybody? You tell anybody that brings it up, you tell them that his disciples stole him. The Bible says that's what they're still telling today. There's a whole race of people who believe that. I love the nation of Israel as God's chosen land. But my friends, they're living in rejection of the real Messiah. And when they think their Messiah's come, they're going to realize they were wrong. Church, it was Jesus' perfection that overcame the death and sin. What about sin being conquered? Romans 5, 6, and 8. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. So I'm, I'm fine. Listen, you keep going. God will get you to a point you understand. You can't do it alone. The greatest place in this world is when you get low enough to realize that there's only one way of escape and that's to look up to Jesus he said while we were yet without strength in due time Christ died for the ungodly for scarcely for a righteous man will one die yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us. We can't clean you up. You know, Baptists are the worst. We're the worst. We want to clean them up. We want to get them enrolled in this and in that. We want to get them looking this way and that way. And then when we get, get them to that point, then they can accept Jesus. The truth is, Jesus died for us right where we're at. You can't clean up. Jesus met a Samaritan woman. Jesus met a harlot. Jesus met a leper. Jesus met all of what would be considered the, the, the lowest 
of society. And he met them where they were and healed them from their sin. Sin is conquered. We see the curse of the cross. Cursed is everyone that hangeth upon a tree. Jesus became a curse for us. Jesus knew no sin. The world tried to Mickey Mouse that and dumb it down. Oh, Jesus was this and Jesus was that. Listen, no one, no one compares to Jesus. Mary was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was born of a virgin. Jesus lived every second, every moment, every breath of his life without sin. And he marched up Calvary carrying the only cross. That was created for the curse of sin. Do you realize in God's creation, I want you to think, this is how my feeble mind works. I know how acorns work. I know how pine cones and other things work. I know how pollination works. Do you realize, because I don't believe in evolution, I believe God's sovereign, God created it, God controls it, God's over it. And I believe the very first tree, as God created those trees, I believe he knew the lineage of which tree would eventually put forth that which would grow as a sapling that would be hewn down to nail his son on. And he still created that tree. You know why? Because he loves you and me. He provided even the cross. You ever thought about that? Even the cross God created so his son could be nailed to it. Church, sin is conquered through the curse of the cross. It's the cure of the cross. That which is a curse to many is a cure for all who will. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It is your cure. I don't know about you. When I get feeling bad enough, thunder and lightning feels pretty good. Huh? A decadron shot at the right moment is worth every ounce. Listen, I can, st- I can take a little sting if it gets rid of days of yuck. It's hard to accept in our pride that we don't measure up because we all want to be important. We all want to be liked. I get that. Everybody's like, everybody is like that here today. Everybody. Everybody's ever created. We want to belong. We want to feel important. We want to uh, matter. But I want you to understand the greatest significance in this world is in the eyes of the one who created you. That he loves you so much that he gave his son. How dare we keep living life the way we want to live it? How dare we continue to go on our own merry way, headlong into damnation, when Jesus died to set us free? He's bigger than our sin, church. You say, You don't know what I've done. No, you don't know what I've done either. I don't have to. I know what Jesus did. Amen? I know what Jesus did. And listen, if you don't believe what I'm just telling you, I have been there. If that helps you any, I have been there. I flew to Amman, Jordan. I got on a bus. 
I went across the Allenby Bridge into Israel. I went up around the Dead Sea through Jericho where Zacchaeus, wee little man, wee little man was he, had climbed up in the sycamore tree. I went through all that. I went right through the Jezreel Valley. I have been through the town of Bethlehem. I have stood there at the grotto of the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I have been by the well of Mary in Nazareth. I have taken a boat across the Sea of Galilee. I have walked in through the new gate in Jerusalem. I have stood at the foot of Calvary. Walked into the empty tomb. And can I tell you? He was not there. He was not there. My friends, Jesus is alive. He which died for our sins, buried for our transgression, is alive forevermore. Why? Why do we continue to seek Living in things which are dead, things of the flesh, things of materialistic value that hold no eternal purpose. Why do we keep seeking life in that which is dead? He's not here in this world stuff. He has risen, just like he said. Church, he has conquered. But then in sin conquering, Sin has been vanquished. It has been finalized. There is no more power in sin. It's just running. It's it's on its last leg in this old world. But this world's coming to an end. 1 Corinthians 15 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I also received. What did he deliver? How Christ died for our sin, according to Scripture. That he was buried. And this is what separates him from every other martyr of the world. He was buried. And that he rose again the third day. According to the scriptures, sin is vanquished through resurrection power. It's all about the empty tomb. Now, I love the cross. Jesus had to die on the cross. Amen? He wore a crown of thorns, right? They really drove nails through his hands and his feet. They really, really, really pierced his side. But church... We hang the symbol of the cross around our neck, but there were two thieves hung on crosses too. Now, they didn't hang for our sin. They hung for theirs. But what separates us from all other things? It's the empty tomb. It's the empty tomb. That's why, listen, very early on the Lord's day, That's why we have flowers. It shows the newness of life. That's why we baptize as believers' baptism. Not to convey grace, but what has already happened within us. And we bury them in the likeness of death, but raised in the newness that is Christ Jesus. It's resurrection power. And so what happens when we trust Him? What happens when we let God, 
forgive us. When we pray, oh dear Father, I'm a sinner, but Jesus has overcome. He's bigger than my sin. The cross of Calvary, the empty tomb. Father, forgive me and save me. What happens then? Jesus' presence. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Do you not know that so many of us that were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Know this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is free from sin. For if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Are you tired? I mean, just tired. Tired of trying to measure up, trying to please somebody, trying to please yourself. You just, you know there's an emptiness. I got news for you. There's a God-sized hole in you that this world cannot fill. It's a square peg in a round hole. Only Jesus can give you fulfillment. He tells us, knowing that Christ raised from the dead, dies no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. Hallelujah, in that he lives, he lives unto God. Church, Jesus is bigger than our sin. And as they come to the instruments, I want you to come to Jesus. I beg you, Know the risen Savior. You see, the disciples for many years knew him as the miracle Jesus. They knew him as the walk on water Jesus. They knew him as the heal the lame Jesus, heal the blind Jesus. They knew all that. But they didn't know the risen Lord. Many of us know all about Jesus, but we're still bound and determined to go our own way. You've rebelled against God. You've rebelled against parents. You've rebelled against the Word of God. You know how you were raised. You know the truth. But you refuse to let it set you free. And today, Easter Sunday, what? listen, Jesus broke the seal, but He broke death. Can I tell you something? Jesus broke hell. He broke hell. He even broke paradise. You see, yesterday, as some said, it's Good Friday. The worst day in history is called good. Why? Because of what Jesus did. What about Saturday? It's silent Saturday. The world was just kind of quiet. They didn't do a whole lot. It was Passover. It was Sabbath, so they didn't get out. They didn't move around. But can I tell you, Jesus was busy. For he had went into the heart of the earth and he took that which had died in faith looking forward to the cross. He took captivity captive and led them out of paradise into heaven. And then very early on the Lord's day, he arose. Are some of us still going to the tomb? 
we still trying to anoint the dead when Jesus is alive? Are we still trying to provide life support on that which cannot be resuscitated apart from Jesus? He's bigger than your sin. But until you're willing to confess it, you'll continue dying in it. Come to Jesus today. Oh, your heart's burning in you just like those road guys on the road to Emmaus. Oh, you know, you know the truth. Let it set you free. Come to Jesus. Stand and come.